Hi and welcome to RTB, the podcast from Northeast Ambulance Service. I'm Mark Selling, a paramedic at NIAS. And in this episode, I speak to Amy Rosendale, Scheduled Care Operations Manager for North Division, about the future of patient transport service. In our conversation, Amy explains how the service deals with complex patients and tells me how it's being transformed to make it more efficient. Hi Amy, welcome to RTB. It'd be great to start with a little bit about yourself, I suppose. So what's the story about Amy? Um, well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, it's a new experience for me, <laughs> uh, podcasting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be here. So thank you. Um, so a little about me. I've been with the service for 17 years now. Um, been on PTS throughout. Started as a call taker a long, long time ago um, and moved into the planning department quite quickly after that where I just think I developed a passion uh, for PDS and everything um, that that we did. So eventually moved into a role of a dispatch officer and then an opportunity was coming up to become a team manager operationally. So I applied for that and thankfully was successful. After six years in that role, I applied for the operations manager position um, last year and got that so I've been doing that just over a year now um, and I absolutely love it absolutely love the operational side of things love helping patients um, helping staff to help patients and I have a real enthusiasm for especially sort of those complex patients that we come across and, and helping them to get home and and working with families and things like that so that is probably one of my biggest passions in the role itself. And that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of people take it for granted that PTS just turn up to the little Mrs. Miggins to the hospital, but it's far from that, I suppose. Even in the 17 years that you've been in the service, you must have seen some massive changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back in the day, it, it was a lot more, I think, of turn up and, and do it. Nowadays, I think there's a lot more time and effort put into the process. We work a lot with hospitals, with families, with um, occupational therapists, even with the council, local councils, with housing companies, uh, with all, all kinds of people to, to make it as, as safe and seamless as possible to get patients in or out of properties. We've obviously recently had the addition of the AVAC team who've brought along a wealth of experience and knowledge and equipment which helps us massively. And I think that, again, has has helped us to develop really, really positive, good work and practices to make sure that we we do the, you know, the right thing for the patient to get them home safely. You mentioned early on about complex patients. Can you just explain exactly what you mean when you say that, though? So complex um, can be anything from um, bariatric patients, a bariatric defined as somebody whose weight or um, build needs specialist equipment. It's not always that. Sometimes it is simply access. Um, you know, stretchers don't always go around corners. They don't go upstairs. And if a patient can't mobilise, 
we've got to take all that into consideration. It could be patients with a complex uh, mobility condition, you know, somebody who can't sit in a chair for any period of time. Um, it, it could be doors aren't wide enough. Um, there's no drop curbs. There's there's many, many. I think it's, it's again, something that's probably changed a lot um, is that now we see so many different varieties of what we would define as a complex patient to what we have done previously. And I suppose with anything in our job, health and safety has to be paramount. So what about that risk assessment? How does that exactly work? And um, how do you guys go out and do it? So risk assessments come in from various different um, places. So sometimes it is a, a patient ringing up. Sometimes it comes from a hospital. We get failed discharges where a crew has got a patient to a property and then can't get them in. Uh, so it could come from a crew could come from evac if they've extricated a patient from a property and actually looked and thought you know what this is going to be much more difficult to get this patient home they'll bring it to our retention as well so generally speaking it's it's the role of the team manager Uh, so they'll get an email from our dispatch support colleagues up in control giving them the basic information that they've got from the call or from the the crew, which is, you know, name, address, location. Um, Are they still in hospital? Are they at home? What do we know about their mobility? Do we know their weight? Do we know their height? And the contact information for a family member or a hospital. The team manager then makes contact and arranges to go out and do the risk assessment. to be honest, it's not something I do a lot of in this role anymore, but if I can, I always will help out uh, and, and go out and do them if I'm available. Um, and we basically just end up working uh, through the risk assessment. Some are, are quite straightforward. It's a case of we need this piece of equipment. Others we've had in the past, we've had to get our health and safety, um, NEAS health and safety colleagues involved We've had to liaise with OTs, with the local council to make adjustments to properties. So it it becomes our responsibility to make sure all those bits are are brought together, tied up in a a formal document, which we would then use whenever the patient travels um, to make sure we're obviously bringing the right equipment. We are using the right number of staff, um, the right manual handling manoeuvres, and that everybody's safe. And I suppose that's the key thing, isn't it? You've talked about IVAC quite a few times, and I've used them on A&E side quite a lot, to be fair. It's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Honestly, it really is. Uh, you kind of look back and you think, we should have had this absolutely years ago, that facility to draw on somebody else with that specialist equipment. But for people who don't know about IVAC and what it stands for, or how to get them to assist you, can you just talk us through how you, do it, how you would do that? Yeah, so EVAC, um, there's two EVAC teams at the moment um, made up of clinical support assistants is their official title. And they are clinical care assistants who have some extra training on equipment, specialist equipment and manual handling. The training's done by uh, an outside company who specialise in bariatric equipment. To access EVAC, uh, for obviously for a crews it's generally you contact control tell them that you need their assistance and they'll contact evac for pts crews generally speaking again you would contact control and if the crew are available they will come out 
um, and assist if you require them. Um, they obviously have a vehicle fully stocked with various different pieces of equipment. Um, that some of these bits of equipment are absolutely fantastic and, and I don't genuinely know what we did before we had them. But we use them a lot to help with the risk assessments. Uh, they'll come out with us to a property if we've been out and said, actually, I'm not quite sure that you know we can do this with the equipment we've got. Uh, we've just got some new equipment on, on PTS, which is great for us, but we're still obviously in the process of training staff. So we are still using EVAC a lot. Um, and basically EVAC will just come out and give some guidance, use some equipment, help to get patients in safely. So they, they really, we'd be lost without them. Um, they're a fantastic resource and it's it's a shame we haven't got more of them or had them for longer. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, I know when we've used them, they've got the likes of the hoist, the slide sheets and loads of lifting equipment. And they've been really good with assisting like the likes of bariatric patients or patients who can't physically lift from the floor. I mean, I'm singing Vax praises, but what sort of feedback have you actually got from PTS and emergency crews in relation to EVAC? It's all fantastic feedback. Um, they, they're so knowledgeable. And often if a crew's had a job or they've been given, a, they've been allocated a job, they'll talk it through with EVAC uh, staff first and say, you know, this is what we've been given. This is what it's saying we need. What do you think? And if they're free, they might go along. Same with the emergency crews. We see a, we see a lot of the opposite side of, of you know, a discharge where an A&A crew's got the patient out of the house in an emergency and quite often say, we would really, really have struggled without EVAC there. Um, you mentioned bariatric patients before and, and I've done um, a bariatric patient before we had EVAC and then I did the same one after we had EVAC and the difference in the job was phenomenal. You know, when we did it without EVAC, we had probably about 10 staff we had the fire brigade we had clinical team leaders we had scheduled care team managers we had so many people involved and the second time round that we did it with evac's assistance it took five of us just five pts staff to do the job with the evac csa so it they make a huge huge difference and the feedback is fantastic and it also improves the dignity and well-being of patients doesn't it i suppose yeah, massively. And, and there's a lot to be said for a patient feeling safe. Um, I, I, people, you know, it's it's not a very nice experience being in a carry chair or being in a in a C-Max or an Ibex or any of the other chairs that we've got. They can be a bit bumpy. They can feel a bit unsteady. And when you're putting your safety in the hands of four people carrying a chair, it must be pretty daunting for the patients. So just to have that extra support there of somebody who has all this specialist equipment it it must put the patient at ease a lot and and again i have had feedback from patients where we've we've used evac to get them in or out of a property um and family members as well who've stood by and watched us getting patients out of houses and they they couldn't thank us enough for what we've for what we've done and i suppose that's the thing isn't it we're obviously patient focused but i think a lot of people don't take into consideration the family and how important they are to this kind of treatment they know the patient a million times better than we do. They know their needs, the strengths, the weaknesses, and that kind of thing. So how important do you think it is to get the family involved at the earliest stage, even at the point of treatment? Oh, massive, yeah, definitely. I mean, it can be really emotive for a family. 
uh, you know, if you're watching your loved one who's been in hospital for months, uh, try to get home and, and they can't physically because we don't have the capacity to, to do the do the discharge because of equipment or access it is really it can be quite emotional and it's a difficult conversation sometimes that the team managers are having with families so it's really important to involve them from the start and just let them know your intentions obviously you really want to get the patient home but you don't know at this moment in time how you're going to do it how safe it's going to be Um, so I think it is you know, if the family can be involved, absolutely involve them from the start. So you mentioned OTs and other outside agencies, even including the council, helping out in whatever way they can. How have you linked up with other agencies, including the likes of the occupational therapists? So I think some of the occupational therapists have a direct line now to some of the team managers. Um, So the team managers have fantastic relationships with their local hospitals and quite often now if an OT knows they've got a complex patient they will just ring direct um, and and have that conversation even before they know the patient's going to be discharged, might be just planning for the future, let's talk about what's going to happen. They do need to obviously think of what's the alternative if we can't get this patient home could it be a care home could it be respite for a few months while they get work done on the house so the OTs are really really good at actually identifying that and coming back to us we use our health and safety team as well who have um, a list I'm I'm guessing somewhere of people they can contact who will help us out and like I say we have done it in the past whereby we felt adaptations to a patient's property were going to be the best option for future the patient was deteriorating slightly there was going to come a point where it was going to be quite difficult to get the patient out of the house so we thought we'd better act now um and we met with the the local council um who talked about what drop curb options there were what walls they could knock down what they would need to do to make it safe for the patient so i think we we build up um a list of contacts we you know we we have people around and about who we know we can go to uh, if we need that support. One of the things from everybody's point of view is it's such a rewarding job for staff. It's unbelievable really how rewarding it is, especially for me, I suppose. Uh, You feel as if you're doing one small thing. We're all kind of cogs in a wheel, aren't we? Um, But reward, you can't put a number on that, can you? No, and I think the reward's very different from both sides. So obviously for for an A&E crew, excuse me the reward is getting that patient in the hospital um in a timely manner for the treatment that they need so if they're if they're really unwell um you know it's really imperative that we get them out quickly but we still need to think about the safety uh, and getting them into that hospital and knowing that they're getting the treatment that they need is obviously a huge reward um from the opposite side pts that the reward is getting a patient home if a patient's been in hospital for, for weeks or months, uh, away from their families, away from, would you believe it, mostly their pets um, is the driver to get them home a lot of the time. Um, and it it's a totally different, I think, type of, <clears throat> excuse me, reward. Um, you know, we, we see floods of tears in families getting loved ones home. Um when they've been away for, from each other, especially, you know, in, in elderly patients who maybe um, can't get out of their house a lot to see their loved one in hospital. So to get them home is a huge reward. And um, I think on, on PDS, we, we see patients probably more regularly. 
um, dialysis patients, uh, cancer patients, that kind of thing. And if they've got a little bit um, more complex requirements, then we build up a really good rapport with them. And I think the reward of making sure that patient's safe and happy is is what it's what we do it for at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, we, we come to work to to look after our patients and to make sure that they are happy and they're safe and they're getting the care that they need. Oh, without a doubt. Totally agree, 100% with that. I suppose there's a good mix and match as well, isn't there, with the, with the PTS. I've seen the moment where there's quite a lot of young people coming through. You've got the older, more experienced people too. It's a really good mix and match of staff at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a lot of younger staff coming through. We've also got the new integrated care assistant role that we've just created um, who are doing a lot of low acuity A&E jobs. Um, so I, I see in more frequently these patients coming out of properties as well. Um, and they're getting trained up on, on equipment and these sort of things in the training school. They're learning about all these different um, requirements and things, patients, types of patients that we're going to. And so it, it's really positive to see them coming out of that training school and being so keen Um to, to do it and I think the investment that we've had in in PTS recently in in terms of equipment as well is is great because I think there's, there's probably some staff out there who've worked here for a long time and haven't seen those kind of changes and I think it's really positive for us that we're getting some of that kit and and you know we're they know that we're listening when they're saying the job's getting harder patients are you know patients are living People are living longer with with health conditions, and and we need to do more to be able to help those people. So it's it's great that we've had that um, investment and that we're able to provide them with that equipment. So what kind of equipment are we talking about? So we've got a lot of different equipment now, to be honest. So we've had um, some investment, and we've bought larger wheelchairs. So the standard wheelchair we have on a vehicle holds about 18 stone, obviously also dependent on body shape. Um, so we've got some some larger wheelchairs that, that take up to, I think it's about 25 to 27 stone. So that gives us a little bit more flexibility with moving patients there. We've also got Ibex chairs, which are a, a stair climber type chair uh, we've got ramps which is something we've never had we've borrowed them from evac in the past but now we have ramps so there's no more lifting over you know one or two steps with a stretcher or down a curb and things we've got the ramps there as an option now to use as well um, and we've got i think we've got some bigger wheelchairs as well coming in so we've had had quite a lot of really good equipment brought in we we had some but it was getting kind of towards the end of its life and it was breaking a lot and it was you know it wasn't really fit for purpose anymore so one of my um colleagues put in a business case and we managed to get some funding so it's really really positive for us so I know in the past there have been working parties involved in progressing the PTS as in getting more equipment have you had crews actually involved in the decision making though, as well as the management of crews? Yeah, so we did a, 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 I think it was a September last year, we started some transformation work, which is transformation work for, for this PDS um, and EOC as a whole. Um, and it was one of the things that came up as part of that. So there was colleagues there um, at this um, transformation workshop. We've had input from them and 
we've got some union reps who are quite keen on going out and talking to the staff and getting their input on things. We've had bits of equipment to test out. So we've borrowed them from the companies and we've taken them out on the road and and we've had staff using them uh, just to kind of get a feel for how it works for us. And some of the stuff as well is is things that we've seen um, EVAC using. So obviously things that staff have seen out there being used and have kind of come back to us and gone, actually, do you know what? I think they'd be really good for us. They'd be really useful for us to have. So we've taken that away. Um, There's been... There's, there's videos on on siren um of, of all of the equipment and things so we've engaged um quite a lot of staff in the process to make sure that it's it it's what they want so you sound really positive for the future to be honest let's see we have this chat in a couple of years time though where do you see pts and what kind of improvements can you see being made in the long term oh that's a tough one isn't it uh, <laughs> um i think to be honest um PTS is, is going from strength to strength every every day at the moment with the, the implementation of the new ICA role. Um, we're, we're doing low acuity jobs, uh, which obviously then frees up the A crews to do more, more of the you know higher acuity patients, and hopefully that'll help our response times. Um, we, we're doing a big piece of work around um, planning and day control um, and efficiencies and trying to highlight and work out what areas we can improve on those reviewing shifts you know all these sort of things that staff have come to us and said we don't think this works um, we don't think this is you know this isn't like this isn't working this shift time or, or you know what do you think about this vehicles we're, we're making changes to vehicles we're staff are coming to us with suggestions and ideas of can we have a handrail here can we have this here and we take those away we're very lucky that we've got a dedicated team who look after that um putting all of those requests forward so we're starting to get to a point now where vehicles are are getting better they're more user friendly um we've obviously had new terrafix devices um which we're, we're working on those at the moment to get them to be like the best that they can um i know there has been some teething issues with that but again the team that supports with that are really keen to get those issues ironed out but i can uh, i can only say it going from strength to strength um it's a fantastic service and i know the commissioners are really keen um to for us to keep going uh, and providing the service that we do now but but making it better as well and that's a real feather in the cap communication lines do seem as if they're always open it sounds if you're openly embracing people's ideas to be fair and that's massively important as a member of staff to feel as if my voice has been heard i think it is um i mean like i said i've been in this this role just over a year um and one of my the, the south operations manager he started at the same time as me so we have worked very closely um there's a team of three of us and we were all really keen on on embracing change um along with you know barry the head of the head of pts who is really keen to, to to drive everything forward and makes the best that he can and and i think the only way to do that is to listen to the staff um my door's always open um the staff at Blutcher will tell you um, they quite often stick their head around the door and they'll have a little complaint about something that they don't think's working and, and we listen to them. Uh, but they're also really good at, at, at singing praises when things go well, uh, which is great to see. And I think it's just, it's it's 
Rome wasn't built in a day, um, and PTS has evolved a lot in the 17 years that I've been here. Uh, but I'm really, really keen to keep it going. We're on a good momentum now, so I think we just uh, keep driving it forward. Amy, that's absolutely brilliant. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining me on RTB and for talking me through PTS and how it's changing. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't, I can't think of anything. (laughs) No, just to say thank you very much, obviously, for having this opportunity. Um, It is something that we've we've never done before. We're always looking for new ways to share stories with with staff. Um, And I think the PTS staff will, are probably more likely to listen to something like this. Uh, So it's it's really positive that they're going to have the opportunity to to listen and then hopefully they'll give us some suggestions of what else they might like to hear um, for those listening. So yeah, but no, thank you very much for, for giving me the opportunity. Thanks for listening to RTB. Please like the show on your podcast app. And if you have time, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. If you'd like to get in touch about anything you've heard on RTB, or if you want to suggest a topic for us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at public.relations at neas.nhs.uk.